Welcome into episode 40 of the Godly Young Men podcast. We are back with another episode this week, the Big 40. We talked about it last Big time. The episode 50 coming up. We have got to hit the drawing board, Joe, on yeah, no what's kidding. the special big event that we're going to do for we're episode We're going to be broadcasting live from London. Yeah, exactly. Did you guys yeah. pay for it? The so, top uh, of the, uh, we're going to go to the top of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> right. Something crazy. <laughs> Paris, why not? Um, yeah, episode 50 coming up in 10 episodes. We're 10 away from that. But we're excited about this episode yep. for today. So we're talking, so we did the Andrew Tate episode a few weeks, months, however long ago now. I think it was episode 32. And that one did a little bit better numbers, and I think it's because Andrew Tate is a figure in society. He, he's somebody that people recognize, they yep. see the name, and they're like, oh, I want to hear about him. There's a guy right now in the sports world who certainly qualifies as Making pe- waves. people hear his name, and they read his name, and they want to go read the article. They yep. want to hear what's being talked about. And that name is Deion Sanders. And so we're going to be talking about Deion Sanders with this episode. Joe is not coincidentally wearing a Colorado Buffaloes sweatshirt. That sweatshirt, I'm sure, was stuck in a closet for like a decade (laughs) until this year when Colorado. It's a prime time. Now I can't find my CU hat from ten years ago. Um, And yeah, there's a reason for that. I may have thrown it out. I just know After they, the one they, were, they, they, didn't, they didn't talk. Joe and Jack didn't talk much about Colorado football till no, this year. All of a sudden, yeah. Uh, talk but, about what losing yeah, every exactly. single game every year. But if you're a sports fan, you know who Deion Sanders is. Yep. And even if you're not a sports fan, what we're going to be talking about with this episode is very important to being godly young man. That's why we're yep. having the episode on it. We talked in the pre in last week's episode about the uh, the leader versus follower dynamic, I guess yep. if you will, about you know what it takes to be a good leader and what it takes to be a good follower. And we talked about the need for both, and we would lean young men towards certain uh, leadership characteristics, but not all young men are going to be leaders. So we figured what better time to do a follow-up episode on leaders and leadership than to talk about Deion Sanders and what makes him an effective leader because he is – He's the most polarizing figure in sports oh, right yeah. now. Um, you know, I was trying to think of guys that are more polarizing than him in sports. And I, I mean, Brady was polarizing. He's retired. Yeah. Doesn't play anymore. LeBron is is fairly polarizing, I guess. Yeah. Um, you could say. I mean, T- Tebow was was Tebow polarizing. Was. Colin Kaepernick was polarizing. Not in the league anymore. Like Dion right now is the guy that a lot of people hate him. A lot of people love him. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that and, and what makes him an effective leader. Maybe some things he gets wrong, um, just because he is such a significant character in in the sports world right now and he's in the news all the time oh yeah 60 minutes was there college game day was there like three weeks in a row covering cu uh with pat mcafee i mean he's he's got celebrities um as of recording this the usc game that was last weekend like if you were big and you were a celebrity you were probably at that game in boulder he's just got that swag about him where little wayne people want to know what he's about terrell owen shows up and and you know it's going to be jay-z next it may have been jay-z i mean they're they had big names showing up to colorado football games exactly (laughs) to cu football like as a cu fan you're going i'm sorry what right like never in a million years but that's the that's what follows him i mean it's just and this is why we want to talk about him is he is fascinating like him hate him doesn't matter He's fascinating, yeah. and everybody's talking about him. And he's, him. A, I'll go ahead and say, he's a good leader. He's he a is. very, uh, he's an effective leader. I'll put it that way. And so that's what we need to get into, that's what we're going to get into later on in the episode, is what is it about him that makes him so effective? Right. And that's why, we're again, we're having this episode, because we need to know, following up on last week's episode, what traits, what qualities, what what things does Dion do that, you know, yeah. make for an effective leader? So a little bit of background on Dion Sanders. For those that don't know, those that are yeah. listening that are... Who's this guy? You know, surely uh, maybe, you know LeBron, but yeah, maybe I would hope you know who uh, Primetime is. Uh, Neon Dion, uh, he's he is probably one of the best athletes to ever live. 
Uh, and that He's on sound... the very short list of greatest NFL players ever. Yeah. It's like him, Lawrence Taylor, Jerry Rice, Brady, and... Yeah, Dion. Like, there's yeah. not a lot of guys ahead of him. Oh, Tom Brady, I hate that. I'm sorry. Have, I hate yeah. that we put him on that list. I know. But yeah, it's I understand. Such a bummer. Um, but played for Cowboys, played for Falcons. I think he had a third team. Was it the Niners? He did. Yeah, he played yeah, for the I Niners. Think it was Niners. Well. Um, I mean, all all world. Like, amazing cornerback. Played special teams. He played both sides of the ball. He was wide receiver. Uh, briefly, I don't think. Yeah, for didn't a play long a lot of receiver, but, but he played play a little bit with the Cowboys. Um, in FSU, went to Florida State and dominated there. I think was a uh, All American a couple times there. Hall of Famer. He's got his gold jacket, and he also played nine nine seasons in uh, Major League Baseball in the MLB. He which is. He is. is people say Bo Jackson. Dion is, but as far as the greatest cross sport athlete, yeah. People say it's Bo Jackson. It's not Bo Jackson. It's Dion Sanders. Right. He, right. he was amazing at baseball. He was amazing at football. First to do to go to a Super Bowl and a World Series. Played in both. Yeah. Played in both. And the crazy thing is, so he was, and, and I was watching this, watching stories about him. He uh, played for the Falcons and wanted to play yeah. closer for the MLB, and so he got on the Braves basically, so he could like in same day or like the next day be playing back and Didn't forth. Didn't he play a game in each in like a twenty-four hour span or something? Yeah. It's like the only time it's happened in history yep. of a like he they played a, a Sunday football game. I think it was that same night. I think it like was. He I think caught it was a, a flight and, and game, flew and flew into play for the Braves. Like within certainly within twenty four hours, and maybe with even tw- within twelve blowing. hours. I know that is mind blowing to go through an NFL football game. And yep. anyway, yeah. So yes, I mean, again, one of the greatest athletes to ever play any sport, really. Um, so needless to say, he can back it up, and that's really why we give the background. Is when you're hearing some of the things that he's doing. Yeah, the he's guy not had, just no offense. Your average Joe, that, <laughs> your favorite hate the phrase. Term, but absolutely, that's, that's just you know that's spot on like, in the news for no reason. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, he played. He played a couple years. He was he was okay. Even Bo Jackson, like Bo Jackson, was amazing. Don't get me wrong, but in the MLB, he was all right. You know, he he was decent. And his career it, was cut short. Like he didn't have the longevity. Deal right, anything, exactly. Yeah. So you look at some of those things, and and just it's incredible what he did. But then. He starts coaching in 2017. He starts at uh, Trinity Christian High School. Coach with his sons were there. I was going to say his yeah. sons were there. He moves up to Jackson State in 2020. Um, has three seasons and goes 27 and six. It was and it was a pretty big news story splash when he went to Jackson State yeah, because like, a historically black college, right? HBCU, HBCU, and he was really trying to put him on the map. And so when he came there, especially with his sons, like he turned a, a failing and flailing program around. To where the first season was okay, and then, yeah, second and third seasons, like, they barely lost at all. So, he obviously has credentials. Now, that enters into this year. They hire him at CU. The end of, wasn't it the end of 2022? End of last year? Yeah, I think December of of 2022. Now, CU, you have to realize we had gone 1-11 the year before, and I think we're the... They were, fifth worst in all of the FBS, which is 127 schools or something like they that. They were in the basement of college football teams. We were horrible. Yeah. Horrible, horrible. Like one of the worst in the nation, and that includes all of the universities you never even heard of. Right. Like we were that bad. I think we gave up 30 points on like 11 of our games. Uh, there was like a, in six of those, we lost by 30 or more. Something yeah. insane. So we lay that out to say, CU is horrible. He comes in. We're now three and two. Yeah, we got blown out by Oregon, no doubt. Um, made it pretty competitive against USC. So actually, we'll, we'll uh, what's that called? Breaking the fourth wall or let you behind the curtain, whatever. We're recording this the same day yeah. that USC played Colorado. And uh, I'll be honest, I thought USC was going to trounce them. They didn't trounce them. I mean, they they, no. they put up a good Colorado put up a good showing. But uh, real quick, so they were they were they were, they were three and zero heading into the Oregon game. Yep. They had beaten a team they were not supposed to beat TCU. TCU. They had beaten. They had won a tough game against Colorado State. 
and they were the talk of social media, the oh, yeah. talk of the sports world. Everyone the, was everybody talking was talking about them. Then they got blown out by Oregon, got curb stomped by Oregon. Yeah. And then now they've lost to USC. So they're three and two, and people are saying that the shine is coming off. There, it's just the reason Dion is so polarizing is because there's a lot of people who are rooting for him to fail, yeah. a lot of people who are rooting for him to get curb stomped by Oregon and rooting for him to lose to USC. And so now with us recording this episode, we've kind of gotten to see both sides: yeah. the the bathed in glory on first take and ESPN Sports Center, yeah. and the players are getting interviewed when they're three and zero. And then now the the haters and trollers are coming out saying, well, maybe they're not that good, lost two in a row. Um, And so we felt it was like it was a good time to record this episode because, you know, again, there's just a lot of things that he does. They're still going to be in the news. They're still going to win. I I would expect them to win eight or nine games this year. They'll lose to Utah for sure, and they'll lose to, you know, do they play Washington this year? I don't think they play Washington, thank goodness, but uh, who's the Beavers? I think they play Oregon State. Oregon State just beat Utah. So Oregon State's pretty good too. So they'll lose a couple more for sure. Pac-12, they chose a bad year because Pac-12 is unbelievable this year Yeah. uh, for the the last year. But, yeah, to to get into that point though and really to kind of transition to what we want to talk talk about. Talk about why he gets a lot of hate. Like why are people so excited that he's getting curb stomped by Oregon? Right, because the moment he came in in December, it's like we're turning this thing around and there was a lot of like – I'm primetime, baby. This is what's going to happen. I'm a winner. We are going to win. And there's a lot of people that are like, time out. Like, pump, pump the brakes. Pump the yeah. brakes. <laughs> you, uh, you have not won anything, and this is one of the worst college programs, and that's why it was such a big deal. So when they were 3-0, and it's like, big deal. You know, All the talk that he had done previously, going back to December of last year, was starting to come true. That's the interesting thing of, of where we're at now with the two losses, is he still has that arrogance about him he still kind of has that swag of we're going to win i've always won yeah and, which is true i mean he's got a hall of fame he's won a, a super bowl or two or like he won at florida state so he has always his whole won. life has been a success that's exactly it so he's he's projecting that and he's talking about it and he also has insanely high standards he comes in and april by the time april spring game came half the team was gone i think they had 83 transfers and he came in and his first speech to address the team was basically I'm bringing my luggage, and it's Louis, you know, Louis Vuitton. And, um, yeah, basically you're going to be out of a job. Because yeah, a lot of people I'm didn't like that. a lot of good kids, and people hated it. Like, how could you do this to a bunch of college kids? They've worked their entire – they've worked their tail off for their entire life to get to this point. They finally have this at CU. And his point is, you guys just went 1-11. How am I supposed to win with these kids? That did not go over well. So you've got that, and you've – I mean, as far as why he gets a lot of hate, you've got that, you've got the arrogance – He's very flashy. He's yeah. very like kind of the bling, the... in your face, flamboyant's not the right word. Um, you know, just just kind of I guess braggadocious, yeah. very very in your flashy face. People, is a great term, people yeah. don't like that. Um, another thing is he and I think this is a, a positive aspect about him, but people don't like this. He breaks the mold of what coaches are supposed to yeah. say. You know, the Bill Belichick, well, we're on to Cincinnati. Like, just we're focused on the next game. We're right. focused on this. The the real lame answers Nick that Saban, nobody wants. who is as buttoned up as you right, possibly Right, buttoned be. up yeah. and very politically correct. Dion doesn't care. Right. He, he says, you know, he just says what he thinks. And he's not, doesn't care about the politically correctness, doesn't, political correctness, doesn't care about what he's supposed to say. Yep. He just says stuff. And he gets him into trouble sometimes. So that, real quick, we, we're, we're going to spend the majority of, of the rest of this episode talking about what makes him such a good leader. Yeah. Such an effective leader. Because... Again, there's people that don't like him. There's people that think that he is ridiculous and not a good role model. You can have those thoughts and beliefs. He's a good leader. Like he's yep. an effective leader, and so yep. that's what we want to draw from. But let's talk a little bit, Joe, about where does Dion go wrong? Where are you know the people that do hate on him and say that he's you know 
over the top or whatever. Where does that have some legitimacy? I think the arrogance and the flashiness that I kind of put hand in hand, I think does have some legitimacy of you want to wait and see if you've won anything. Like I know you've been a winner. Yes, you were a winner with really, really good teams in the NFL. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're going to come in and win immediately with a terrible program, something that's been terrible for a decade plus. So people want to, want to see him fail because he's talked such a big game and he's been so flashy about it before they really did anything. So they really felt it when they were 3-0 and of like, shut up. Yeah. All I hear about is is this guy just going on and on. And I think the term would be bloviating, right? Right. Like, it's just annoying. And, and so, the constant press and coverage. Got yeah, exactly. Nerves, yeah. I'll read, like, athletic articles. And all the comments underneath are like, do you guys cover any other team? <laughs> yeah. Which is true. I mean, there's a ton of ton of articles about him. So the arrogance, I think, is the, the first place where he goes wrong, where he wants to project before really anything is even And happened. to that point, one of the things I was going to bring up is – watching some college football, even some NFL, and he and his boys are on quite a few commercials. Yeah. Quite a few. They got quite a few endorsement deals where they're they're on TV and listen, you know, they're making money from that. I'm never gonna say, you know, you should make less money or whatnot. I, I get that. It's cool, it's a family thing. I do kind of think that that adds to the I guess annoyance that people have. Yeah. It's like, man, you're on a billion you're on a couple commercials, you're in our face all the time and you haven't really won anything yet. Right. So that that part I get of kind of like yeah, you know, you've got the confidence and charisma, which is a good thing that we'll get to later. Yeah. But you kind of need to prove something first. You kind of need to back it up first. And that's something a godly, us godly young men can learn from. Yeah. We're the biggest believers in confidence out there. Like, we have talked about that ad nauseum on this podcast. Yep. At some point, you got to realize, let your game do the talking, so to speak. Sometimes. Yeah. Let your let your actions do the talking. Like, other people will be able to see that person's really good at what they do. You don't have to tell them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. that, that, that guy's really got it going on in XYZ category. If you're doing all the talking and boasting and bragging and all that before you do said whatever it is, X, Y, Z, people are going to look at you like, why don't you back it up first? Right. You know what I mean? Like, why don't yeah. you show me? It's kind of, the, I think it was a Margaret Thatcher quote that I'm going to butcher. But the idea of like, if you have to tell me that you have power, do you really have power? Yeah. You know what I mean? If you have to tell me how great you are, are you really that great? Like, how about you go out and just prove that you're great? And then after, I don't really condone arrogance after either. Obviously, that's not a, a godly trait, but... After, maybe you can talk about, yeah, we had a really good game. And I think there's a difference. And this is an interesting an interesting point. We've talked about this a little bit. There's a difference between the arrogance of I'm amazing and look at me and all this. And I think he gets into some of that versus the false humility of, oh, you know, I just I'm got, just not that great. I'm just yeah. not that great. Or I just got lucky. Like, no, you have, have again, you've worked your tail off your entire life to get yeah. to this point. You performed on a big stage. There ought to be some accolades and some like, yeah, I've worked really hard for this moment and, and God came through and I, you know, I came through in the clutch or whatever it is. I think there's a way to do it appropriately where he goes wrong is first off, he does it before they come through in the clutch. And second off, even after, I feel like there's a lot of look at me, look at me. Whereas one of my favorite sport being hockey, look at, look at my, my team, right? My brother, yeah. whatever it is, you know, my, my line mates, my teammates were passing me the puck all day long. It's so there's just a difference in how, and who gets the spotlight. Basically. It's very tough because if Dion was a buttoned up politically correct, I mean, he wouldn't be that interesting. Like, yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? He'd be a dime a dozen, like every other coach right. that just says the right thing every time. And so it kind of goes both ways. I guess the point with this one is like, look there, he, he goes wrong in some areas yeah. and we need, we as young men need to be able to look at people, even people who we can say, like we think Dion is, he's a really good leader. Yeah. Maybe don't emulate that trait. He can go over the top with it. Yeah, maybe don't follow that particular example. I mean, goodness, you see that even with people within the church that you might respect. Like, yeah. that's a really godly man who I respect in these areas. Maybe this yeah. one I don't. You know, like, maybe um, 
Exactly. You he know, can't I've... be perfect a thousand percent. Yeah, percent-y. exactly. Like, yeah. there's not everything you're always going to emulate. So let's go ahead and get into, because we're 15 minutes in already, what makes him a great leader? Yeah. What What is it? Because there is no denying that he is one of the best leaders in sports right now. Yeah. I think Andy Reid is an incredible leader in sports. Say what you want about Saban. He's a good leader. Yeah, he, he does really he well. Um, obviously, um, I was going to say Belichick, but they haven't been great lately. Yeah, so no, I'm, I'm not, not even going to bring not. him up. I know. I was trying to think of I can't other... think of anybody in basketball. Like no. Popovich is a joke to me now. So really, you've got Andy Reid, Saban, and Dion as yeah. like the most effective leaders. John so, Cooper, but that means nothing to you in the hockey never, world. Yeah. Never heard of him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Most people have not either. No, so let's no. get to Joe. I'll let you get sure. to this first one because you were actually kind of getting into this with your story about his first press conference. What makes him an effective leader? Get into this first one. Yeah, he doesn't buy he doesn't buy into the fair and equality myth that we see in the culture a lot of, oh, you know, these guys they're good kids and we just need to give them a chance. Like you went one in eleven and were one of the worst teams you don't deserve in a the nation. <laughs> how how do you think like if, if you took the same kids, is any coach going to be able to take the same kids and win with that? Probably not. He's smart. It goes to your point of he didn't miss words. He comes in and goes, basically, you stink. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Yeah. And prove to me that you're good enough. And this is where we get into the fair. What's fair? I think he's providing a quality of opportunity, not a quality of outcome. And this is where we're seeing it in the culture a lot. And, and socialism is all into like, we all need to have the same outcome. No. Some are willing to work for it. They still have guys that were on the team last year, but they prove their worth to yep. him. And he had, I saw something else where they uh, they were coming together for the numbers. I want this number. I want that number. No, no, no. You're going to earn your number. Yeah. And if somebody else wants your number, you better outperform them. Because whoever outperforms one another in gets camp, the they number. get to pick the number. That's so politically incorrect these days, and that's so not equality-focused. But it's it's real, and it's raw, and it's honest, and, and this world is craving that. Well, when I, whenever I saw the video of him basically saying, yeah, you guys aren't good enough, you know, people cringe at that, but... God blesses people with more talent, and that's just the way the world is. Like, I would right. love to be an NFL athlete. Yeah. I'm not talented enough to be an NFL <laughs> athlete, and I understand that. You know right. what I mean? Like, I don't think it's unfair that I'm not an NFL athlete. We have to understand that there are things that, I mean, that's just different gifts, different, you know. To, to say that, I'm sorry, I'm going to give the, the position on the team to the person who's more talented and obviously works harder, but, I mean, goodness, talent and ability has to play some role. Right. That's not that's not wrong. His that's, job is to win. Yes. People lost focus of that. Like, his job is to win. If he comes in and goes, oh, let me give you a pat on the back, and and I just don't want to hurt your feelings here, he's going to lose, and he's going to be out of a job in a year because he's going to go 1-11 again with the same team. Yeah, You can't put it all on the coaches. He even had that in the 60-minute interview. Like, look, you can't just put this all on the coaching staff. Yes, there was turnover in the coaching staff, but the team went 1-11. The team, like the players, bear a lot of that responsibility for that. They're the ones playing the game, right? Correct. And so, once again, they flamed him for it, but that's the point, is his job is to win, and he recognizes the purpose, and that's what a great leader does, is recognizes the purpose and the fair and equality. We're here to do a job. Therefore, we're going to choose the best people, the most skilled people, and the people that work the hardest to get that job done. That's exactly that's what a good it. leader does. So that's what we're. And again, to bring it back to what makes an effectively, if you if you are a manager, a leader of a corporation, yes, strive to be fair. But the everybody's on an equal playing field is a myth. That's not true. Right. Like people, it's not how the world works. It's not how the world works. People have different talents and different abilities and different experience, skill, all these things to where you're you're not equal. Be fair. I don't know if I should have put the word fair in there because you know, I think everybody should try to be fair. Yeah. But, you know, again, we're at different levels. And yeah. so the it's it's the responsibility of the leader to use people in the best way to get the job done, which for Dion is winning college football games. People didn't think he was fair when he chose his son as QB, right? Shadir, like, 
oh, great, it's nepotism. That's not fair. What about the other QBs? And then all of a sudden they show him camp, and it's like, oh, wow, he's, he's really good. Yeah. He's really, really good. Yeah, I told you he was good. Like, this is fair. I'm trying to go off of who works the hardest and who's the best in that position. And that's one of the things that the 60 Minute, I don't know if you watched that interview. I watched minutes. the like, clips. I didn't oh, watch man, the whole It thing. was so good because the guy tries to bust him on this exact point of, like, where's the equality? Don't you think kids basically need this to be fair? And he's like, they need truth. Yeah, the truth. That's such a good point. Yeah, yeah. and he's like, the world, uh, there's all sorts of, everybody's trying to bend the truth. The truth is, this is where we're going. The truth is, you're not good enough, basically. Like, yeah. kids need to know the truth, and that will set them up later in life. And so a, a leader, coming back to this point, a leader is somebody who doesn't mince words. Fair. Doesn't have to be a jerk about it. But at the same time, is willing to push the truth, is, is always willing to stand on the truth. And that's better for those kids in the long run. You weren't good enough to make it on CU. That'll cause you to work harder at the junior college you go to that, you know, maybe you'll work your way back into a Division One team. That's just the truth of yeah. the matter. And that ultimately benefits them instead of coddling them and making them think they're something they're not. And we've talked about that a lot as being a husband, godly husband, father, all those things, man. Don't shy away from the truth because it hurts right. feelings. All right, so get the second, two. Yeah, yeah, the second thing, what makes him such a great leader? He demands a high level of effort. Hmm but a high level of effort that's not unrealistic. So there's an right. interview. Um, so they had a five-star defensive back, a five-star prospect cornerback who was committed to a different university who they flipped. And he, he you know, committed to go to play for Dion, for Coach Dion in Colorado. Uh, Cormani McLean is his name. Well, he hasn't got a lot of playing time. Hasn't been on the field very much. And Dion was asked about that. Um, you know, basically, why isn't he on the field? Why isn't he getting the playing, playing time? And Dion kind of went on a rant about how this dude doesn't watch film. This yep. dude doesn't show up to meetings. This dude doesn't work hard. Basically, like effort. basically, I don't care how many how many stars of a prospect he is. I don't yeah. care how allegedly gifted or talented he is. Put in the work. And it's one of those things that's like, man, is that harsh? No, it's not harsh. That's realistic. Like realistic. that's what he said. He said, you know, watch film, show up to meetings, be there to you know to to study and to prepare. That's not unrealistic. Right. They're playing college football. It's what they're supposed to be doing. And so, again, a lot of people were kind of taken aback by that. Like, man, he's calling this kid out. And he's like, yeah, he's calling the kid out because he is so gifted, five-star talent, who's not putting the work in, yeah. who, who isn't preparing. One of the things I thought was great was he had his whole coaching staff involved because the coaching staff, they get to see how much film you're watching, right? They mm -hmm. can log the time. Like and hours so, or whatever. Yeah, exactly, yeah. how many hours of film. And so you show up to practice on Friday or whatever thinking you're prepared. You haven't watched film. And so the entire coaching staff has his back to say, no, they, you know, they're coming going, hey, he hasn't watched any film today. Instead of covering for him, you got somebody like that. Dion is, from, from the top down, has this idea of you're going to work hard. Every coach around him knows that. Every player around him knows that. I don't care that he's a five-star group. Do you think they could use him in a game like Oregon or USC? You yeah. bet. You bet. Any guy that, that's that talented, doesn't matter. The expectations are still there. Like you said, I like the idea, or I like what you said about them being realistic, but he demands that high level, and he can because... He's prime time. Yeah. Like, somebody else could come in and go, please, please, please. Can you please just show up? Can you please do this? And and where we see this in church is we do the same thing as church leaders. We've we've gone on on and on about this, like on our uh, other podcast, Think Deeper. We're begging guys to step up. We're just begging them to show up to please church. Show like, up please, to church. please, please, yeah. can you please? I don't see him do that. You want it? Great. It's yours. If you don't, see ya. Type of thing. That's <laughs> that's what Jesus did in John that's six. Exactly. Too. Yeah. <laughs> you show up. You only want the bread and, and the you know you only want the fish. Go and home. Type of yeah. thing. Go home. Instead, call people to a high level. And this is what a good leader does: is he he holds the expectations at an appropriate level. He does not drop them for nothing. Oh, you're a five star. Let me drop it for you. Yeah. But the other three star recruit. Well, he needs to prove. It. No, no, no. Everybody's, Everybody's going to work same. hard. 
that's such a good, like a, a leadership quality that so many churches are lacking. And really a lot of, it's not like you're going to kick people out of your family, but a lot of fathers are lacking yeah. as well to just hold the standard of like, you know, my son, he doesn't want to do his homework. He just, he plays video games. He just doesn't have time to do the chores around the house. Exactly. Yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's <laughs> like, what do you mean? What are you going to do? Like you're going to hold him to an insanely high standard that he can hit a yeah. realistic standard, but you're going to hold him to that instead of letting him fudge in different areas. Cause, Oh, I just don't think he can. And this speaks to the point of, man, you would think all the players are, are wanting to leave Dion's team. No, they love playing for Dion. Exactly. They love playing for guys like that. And we've talked about this before. People want to follow a leader like that, yeah. somebody who is going to hold them to a high standard. So, man, this one is might be the most important one we've got on here, yep. and it's so evidenced by what Dion does and says. Get us into number three. Yeah, number three, he's extremely confident in his abilities and in his players' abilities. This cannot be understated. The guy has a swag about him. You call it arrogance, <laughs> but the guy has a swag and a confidence about him that is infectious. If you have not, he just any, looks cool. Oh, all the time, man, all the time. Like he shows up looking good. I don't care if it's five a.m. As a matter of fact, I was watching one of the videos because his son is a videographer and is videoing the team. They're gonna have an Amazon series, all that stuff. And this is another thing that people hate him for. Like, really, you get your Amazon series? Like, who is this? Look, he's also. We don't even have this on the list. He looks ahead into the future. That's another thing a great leader does. Do you think he's really playing for for a bowl this season? Yeah, and he says that for sure. No. This is in the, in seasons two, three, four, when he gets to go out and recruit a number of five-star recruits because yeah. they go, I want to be on Amazon. I want to be on Amazon Prime <laughs> where people are watching me. I want to have right. Jay-Z and Lil Wayne. I want to be the talk the of the nation. Exactly. Yeah. I want to be uh, rubbing, shoulder, rubbing elbows with them. Like, you bet. So, yeah, he looks ahead and he's smart about it. But he's so confident in his ability and, and less in, uh, you see, like, we're going to win. It's more in the confidence of like, we're going to work hard enough. And I really, really appreciate that because the swag that he walks into the room, if you have not seen one of his videos, I'm telling you, go look it up on YouTube. He's clean too. He doesn't cuss. Go look up some of his videos. It's infectious. I watch it. It's like, man, I want to just go do something. Like, this is incredible. That's what a leader does. And I don't even, I don't know that I can pinpoint it per se, what exactly it is. The air that he walks around with is just like, People want to follow. People want to follow. He's he's just got the air of a leader of like, I know what I'm doing, and that's the confidence that, that he has. So I'm going to go ahead and rope that into the fifth one because I'm realizing they're, yeah, sorry, they're, they're, sorry. Well, they're very similar, so I probably ahead. should sorry have separated that. them out. The fifth one I had, and we haven't done number four. So I didn't even look at the fifth. We'll just sorry, go ahead and move on to, we'll call this one number four. I've got his charisma and his confidence is infectious. It's one thing for you as a leader to you know project confidence or to project right. like, oh, we're going to do this. If people don't buy into it, if people can kind of look at it and go, yeah, that's kind of fake, you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. That's, that's not going to be very um, realistic. You're not going to get a lot of – it's not going to be very productive. That's not the case with Dion. Like you right. said, you just watch his videos and it's like, oh my, I want to play for Colorado. Like, <laughs> I, wanna, I want to be coached by this guy. You know, like people want to – and man, this is, this is common sense, basic about leadership. People want to follow optimistic, energetic – charismatic competent driven people yeah that's who they want to follow and we talked about the church leaders there's a lot of church leaders that aren't any of those right a lot of fathers unfortunately they're not any of those they're not optimistic they're not driven they're not energetic they're not charismatic they're not any of those things this is why we spent so much time last week talking about traits that you need to lean into as a young man regardless of if you're going to be a leader of a company or even an elder because of your family Man, people want to follow charisma. People want to follow, again, people who are driven, people who are energetic and optimistic. You watch a Dion video and it's like, you know, tell me what to do. I'll do it. That's that's the effect that he has. And that's something that, again, if you're a father, 
an elder who you're the opposite of those things, pessimistic, lack of energy, no no real drive, just kind of keeping the status quo, man, people are not going to want to follow. Do amazing things and feel amazing about it. You know, that that's that's something that is again, <laughs> that's, it's That's a Dion quote. It's look good, if you look good, you play good. You play good, you they pay good. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> look good, feel good, you feel good, you play good, play good, they pay good. That's yeah, what there it, you that's go. the Dion there, quote. I yeah. love it. But we kind of go against that of, you know, if you do amazing things again, oh, shucks, you know, boy, I got lucky. You're going to have a really tough time having the confidence to carry anybody forward yeah. into the future if you just think that that you just got super lucky. Yeah. No, you really put the work in. And this is when he, did you see that quote after uh, got blown out by Oregon? And he's like, these teams seem to think that they're playing me. They're playing my team. You don't play me. He's like, I already got my gold jacket. <laughs> like, I'm already a Hall of Famer. I've already done that. Yeah. And so it was just one of those quotes of like, it's kind of funny. And yeah, this is where the arrogance, quote unquote. But yeah. it's the idea of like, I know that I've already achieved this. Therefore, the competence is there. If he came in as anybody else, because people are like, well, he's changing the name of uh, and changing the game of college football, that you're going to have a lot of people that come in and use the transfer portal. Nobody is primetime Deion Sanders. I'm sorry. Yeah. Nobody has his coolness. Nobody gets the ads that he gets. Nobody has the, the infectious charisma. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody has it. So to replicate it is almost impossible. He's got an entire career to back that up. He's got his time at Jackson State. He's got his time in, in uh, you know, the MLB. He's got his time in the NFL. He's got his time in Florida State. Right. Like He's got so much on his resume to back that up. As leaders, gentlemen, that's what we're looking to do is we want to have things on our resume, so to speak, to let us know, I know I can do this. And so when we're going to lead a church... Man, I've been a leader in the church. I've been doing things since I was young. I stepped up and I've been speaking and I've been praying for people and I've been visiting people and I've been doing all this. Therefore, there's this infectious, competent, charismatic leadership that ought to follow that. And we shy away from it so much because we go, that's arrogance. And we look at it like charismatic or charisma leads into arrogance. Like what's the the dividing line there, right? What's the boundary I think as long as it's look at me and, and how amazing showboating I am. and exactly right. we want to give the glory to God ultimately. However, and I should have looked it up before. Isn't there a proverb? I know Jack's brought it up before. Let another man sing your praises. Basically, like right. don't talk about how great you are. Right. But we're talking about the ability to walk in and go. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm competent and I'm confident in my ability to do something. That I think every leader should have, and I don't look at that as a negative. Yeah. So go ahead and get us into the last so, one. So yeah, we'll make this the last one again with the, the one that we kind of skipped over. Yeah, sorry about that. No, 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 you're all good. Again, they're, they're very similar. What makes Dion an effective leader? His care for his players is genuine. Yeah. There's a play, so the Colorado-Colorado State game, phenomenal college football game. Me and you stayed up until 2 in the morning watching it. Like, yep. it, it, got, it, it destroyed <laughs> all the ratings, like... And it started at 9 p.m. Central Time or maybe 9.30 p.m. Central Time. Yeah. It was a late game. Everybody was watching. It was an amazing game. Colorado came back and won. Earlier in the game, the this wide receiver, Jimmy Horn, dropped a critical third down pass. Like, just hit him in the hands, yep. dropped. Nobody around him. Game. He was going to have the first down. Um, Colorado offense was sputtering. It would have given us some momentum. Dropped it. Brutal drop. Um, you see, they, they showed it. I can't remember if they showed it immediately, if they showed it later. You know, he's walking to the sidelines, obviously, dejected like yeah. you know just head down yeah. head down Dion stops him and gives him a hug and we find out later on tells him he loves him um I don't know if he said anything else but basically affirmed him said you know didn't didn't chew him out didn't lay into him told him go ahead what he told him was I'm telling you it brings like almost brought a tear to my eyes what he told him is he said you know your your pops is in the crib with with his uh basically his dad's in prison 
and he said he really wants to just make you know be proud. He wants to stand up and cheer his boy on in front of all the other inmates. This is what he told him in the middle of the game. Mm. And he's like, "You're gonna do it. You're gonna go out there and you're gonna give him something to cheer about, so you can make your dad proud." He goes out Sheesh. and and it's like I'm getting chill bumps, man. It was so he caught cool. the game time touchdown, <laughs> and he caught the game time touchdown, sent it to overtime. We end up winning a double. Basically, game saving play. Yeah, exactly, and made a great move to juke the guy out of his uh, out of his shoes in that one. And that's that's what it was. And he gives him a hug. And he tells him, you got this. Yep. And he goes out and does it. Like, that is a care for the players that, I'm sorry, you don't necessarily see. And maybe it's because it's not as, as publicized from Nick Saban. I don't know. But, like, how cool is that? He studies. And that's what he said after. He was telling the story. And he's like, I study all my players. I know their lives. I know what's going on. And so he has a personal relationship with, like, every guy on the team. Yep. He knows what motivates him. He knows how to motivate him. But he also knows how to care for them and what's going on in their lives, and which th- is so cool. This gets to, again, relating us to the church and the family and uh, corporations, if you're you know a leader at your workplace, don't let your your care for your people be fake. People can yeah. see through it. Don't let right. it be a facade. Don't let it be something where they're like, yeah, you're just being nice or you're just you know asking how my week was because you feel like you have to type right. of thing. People can see right through yep. that. The, there has to be a genuine genuineness to it to where people feel like you care about them as their leader. Again, obviously in the family, but more so as elders. Right. I think we've both maybe you know been to congregations where we even you know attended congregations where you couldn't really tell whether or not the elders deeply cared. Obviously, they they cared. I'm not trying to cast aspersions on elders, sure. but they they didn't show that they deeply cared. Obviously, you know you you, you hear stories about people in, in corporations and workplaces where they're just in it for their paycheck. They they don't care. What makes Dion so effective is again the last thing we've got on here is that. His care for his players is not just a facade. It's something he genuinely cares for, cares for them. Again, as evidenced by the Jimmy Horn thing, obviously there's a lot of other stories. We'll probably watch on the Amazon series oh, yeah. when it comes out. There's a lot yep. of stuff. Um, so, yeah, those are the five that we had on there. Anything else to add? I mean, there's a lot we could have talked about here. Dion is, is such a fascinating guy. Don't agree with everything he does. Yeah. A lot of people don't like him. That's fine. He's an effective leader, and he's an effective leader for these reasons. That's right. The only other thing is just to kind of come back around to, like, he knew every player. As you said, he was genuine about it. He cared about him, but he knew every player, and he knew how to motivate them. And I think as a leader, that's one of the key things is know your people. Know who's there. Know what they're good at. Know what they're bad at. Know how to motivate them. Know yeah. how to how to bring them into the fold. Like, a good leader is somebody who takes stock of everybody and doesn't allow the, you know, the guy on the bench. It's like, oh, I don't care about him. He's not important. No, he is. Yep. And he knows about him, too. And you can bring together a team because you know where everybody excels and where everybody struggles. And you can use that to work together. That's what makes him so good, exactly as you said. I mean, there's so many things about Dion that are just inspiring. If you have not watched any of his stuff, seriously, I would strongly encourage you to go watch some of his uh, his speeches, some of his videos. He's a man of the faith. I don't, uh, you know, a Christian, quote-unquote. Um, believes in God, believes professes in God. faith. Yeah, yeah, talks a lot about Christ. And... I think that's really, really cool. I mean, he's he's just a genuine good guy. Like you said, guy, cuss, says God bless at the end of all his you know press conferences and yeah. whatnot. Like praise. He, that was one of the things. He's in Boulder, Colorado. For those that don't understand, Boulder insanely is, liberal. Yeah, San Francisco, Seattle, and Boulder are basically like the three most liberal places on the planet. Um, they they call it the People's Republic of Boulder. He's in the middle of Boulder, Colorado, one of the most liberal places in the nation, and he came in and said, "We're praying." Every day yeah. with the staff. And if you get upset, basically, don't care. <laughs> don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. That's what a leader does is he's, you know, he sees it. He's got vision and he knows what he's about. So, yeah, I, I could talk about Dion all day, man. <laughs> he's, he's really he's cool. We're sports cool guy. guys. We know not everybody who watches this is into sports. Hopefully you stuck through and watched or listened and, and drew some things out of it. Because, again, 
leadership is such a big part of godly young men's lives, whether even if you're not going to be ever be an elder or a manager or whatever in your family, you're going to have to be a leader. And so there, there are things you can pull from guys like this, other people we could have talked about, but yeah, Dion's in the news. Just lost to USC. Real quick before we wrap up, what's your what's your win total prediction for for the Buffs this year? I think seven. I you think, think seven. I think seven. I think eight at least. They're going to get love beat by Oregon nine, State, just... and they're going to get beat by Utah. I don't see any other games they're going to lose. I think that that was a position eight, eight and four. I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And they might. I don't know. They played USC hard. They might be able to uh, see one of those because they play without Shiloh yep, Sanders, and, and they also Hunter. play without Travis Hunter. They'll get them back, so they could. I'm more optimistic. Off. I think eight, and I was gonna say nine, but that would mean they have to be one of those two. And yeah, I don't, I don't know if they can. I could yeah. see them accidentally dropping another one of the games. To be honest, that's why I said seven. I want to stay realistic, but yes, the optimist <laughs> in me says I think they could swing for the fences and hit nine. But I'm gonna say seven to eight. Yeah, I'll, like. I'll say eight. That, that's yeah. what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna finish. What do they play? Twelve games, eight and four, eight yeah, and five. Yeah, sounds like that. right. So anyway, we will wrap right. right there. We've got um, another great, exciting episode lined up for you next week. Actually, got an arc, not even yeah, an arc, one two, a two yeah. two parter coming up here soon. So be on the lookout for that. It'll be episode forty one. But this has been episode forty of the Godly Young Men podcast. Thanks for watching.